Good afternoon and welcome to Not Minding My Own Business. I am your estate planning and elder law attorney, Russell Farbiars, and I am joined here today by Kirsten Haas of Girls on the Run. Welcome, Kirsten. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. So as you, as you know, Girls on the Run is is, is a, a program that's near and dear to my heart because I my my daughter, who who's now 11, uh, participated uh, in Girls on the Run uh, for a couple of seasons, uh, and not- notably during the uh, the COVID era when it was a run on your own away from everyone else uh, <laughs> tournament. But what what I what I love about the program uh, is, is that not only is it great because it gets the gets girls out physically active, but but you focus on things like self esteem and you know building up you know girls so that they aren't sort of the victims of what can often happen to middle-aged and high school kids. So absolutely. So can you talk a little bit about, about the program and, and sure. what, your, what the objectives are? Sure. So um, Girls on the Run is actually a national organization. And some people don't realize that. Um, Girls on the Run International has actually been around since 1996. Um, it was founded by Molly Barker who um, was actually a triathlete and marathoner. And um, she actually kind of founded the organization out of some of her own life experience, um, having gone through some mental health issues and some addiction issues. And she found um, solace in running, um, but also came to realize that perhaps, you know, as you said, if you had, if she had had some better tools, maybe she was younger, she might've made some different decisions. Um, And so that's what kind of morphed and became the Girls in the Run program was incorporating um, lessons on emotion management, decision-making, understanding that as a girl, um, you have a voice and you can use it, that you can make a difference um, and that you can be a good friend, you can create a team, you can be a community, um, and, and then also incorporate physical activity and the benefits that physical activity has on an individual's not just physical health, but their mental well-being as well. Um, Girls in the Run Berks County has actually been around since 2013. In fact, um, fall of 2023 will be the start of our 10th anniversary year. So we're super excited to have made it that far, <laughs> uh, especially given the events of the past few years. Um, but locally, we serve um, the girls of Berks and Schuylkill counties, And our focus group are girls in grades three through eight. And so within that age group, we actually have two programs. So we have the traditional Girls in the Run program, which focuses on girls in third, fourth, and fifth grades. And then we have our Heart and Soul program, which is for girls in sixth, seventh, and eighth grades. And the programs, the fundamentals are very similar. Again, we start by focusing on the individual girl. Um, We don't give girls self-confidence or self-esteem. They have it. We just teach them that they have it and how to access it, how to express it. Um, So the lessons kind of start with that individual awareness, um, and then it grows from there to how do you take that individual, uh, as we call it, star power, and how do you spread that um, to your friends? How do you make a friend be a good friend? Um, And then as you make friends, you learn that you comprise a team. And so you learn that you're not alone in this world, that when you have a problem, um, you can ask for help that when you see someone having a problem, you can ask if they need someone if they need help. Um, by forming a team, the lessons progress and the girls learn that as a team, they are part of a community. 
And that community might be their family, it might be their school, it might be their, their church or, or synagogue, um, it might be their athletic team that they're on. Um, and that as a community, as part of a community, they can make an impact and make life not just good for themselves, but for everyone around them. And so the, the lessons um, go throughout the season. Our seasons are typically 10 to 12 weeks long, and the girls meet for roughly 75 to 90 minutes twice a week. And um, as their season progresses and these lessons progress, they culminate in, in two major activities, um, one of which is their community impact project. And this is a project that the teams decide, the girls decide, it's not up to the grown-ups. Um, and the girls do a self-contained project. So it might be, for instance, um, writing thank you notes to first responders. Uh, it might be, um, I believe actually the team that your daughter was on during pandemic, because I was a substitute coach for that virtual team, um, their project was beautifying their community. And I mm -hmm. thought what was so amazing about that project is that you had girls, none of whom lived in the same neighborhood, but yet over virtual, they, they decided as a team, we want to make our neighborhoods a prettier, you know, a prettier place. And so we had one girl who planted flowers in front of her house, thinking that if I set the example, maybe my neighbors will do the same. Another girl on the team, she and her mother went out on a weekend and picked up, you know, garbage around the neighborhood. So that's kind of a way in which they realize one action can make this really big impact potentially. Um, for the, the older girls, the sixth and eighth graders, the lessons are kind of the same, but we use some different activities and different tools and, you know, some different vocabulary because they are older. Um, they, they have a, a different grasp of these concepts that perhaps younger girls do. Um, but it, we also seek to address some of the issues that at that sixth, seventh, and eighth grade stage that, that girls might be encountering in terms of the, the changes they're going through physically and mentally, but also as they're entering middle school, um, encountering maybe more activity on social media and things of that nature. It sounds like, you know, me, I, and I know from experience that, it, that you guys just, you just do, a, do so much. Uh, and what sort of impact have you seen in the community and the girls that you serve uh, since you started in 2013? Well, overall, we've served, if we now uh, include last year in, in our upcoming year, we're on track to serve probably between 4,500 and 5,000 girls since our inception in 2013. Um, most of that in Berks County because we only took on school pool in 2019 and the pandemic kind of uh, put a little obstacle in our way in terms of growing in Schuylkill County. Um, but what we, we, what we see is just, first of all, a lot of repeat girls, like, you know, your daughters is a great example, girls who go through the program, not just one season, but multiple seasons. And because we rotate our curriculum versions, that's possible. A girl can participate multiple seasons and not do the same activities twice. And we, we have a lot of girls to do that because they just have such a great experience and they make great friends. Um, some girls actually go through the girls and they run and then kind of go into heart and soul. Um, anecdotally, it's amazing to me when I'm out and about at events, now that we can be out and about at events and like be at something like Guts and Glory um, and we have uh, like college age girls stop by and say, oh, I did girls in the run. Um, I have a good friend whose daughter is a Girls in the Run alum, and she now runs track at Ryder you know, University in New Jersey, and, and I hear from her about how her experience in Girls in the Run, um, even though we're not necessarily training program, the, the values and the self-confidence she got from being in the program 
helped her excel in sports in high school and now in college and gave her the confidence to believe that she could compete, you know, at those various levels. Um, overall, it's interesting, there's actually been a longitudinal study on the, the lasting impact of the Girls in the Room program. Um, some of those are that 85% of our participants have reported an increase in their confidence, in their caring, in their ability to make connections and connect with other people. Um, it's, it's important not to overlook that there is a physical aspect to our program. Um, we do want girls to understand not just the benefits of physical activity, but to have fun with it. I mean, most of us are not athletes, but that doesn't mean that you can't have fun running and jumping and playing around. Um, but what's interesting is over 40% of the girls who participate, participate in our program, if they weren't physically active before Girls in the Run, they have stayed physically active after Girls in the Run in some way, shape, or form. And certainly a lot of our girls, they don't go on to run track at any level. But even if they just go out for a walk with their family once a week or go out for a walk with a friend, you know, they've, they've gotten the mental health benefits out of it. But we also have our, our study showed that 97% of our girls reported learning critical life skills. So again, going back to our founder, um, you know, someone who believes in themselves and also has a support system around them, um, it's not to say you're never going to make a bad decision, but you're probably more likely to step back and think about it right. and make a better decision. And, and that's what's really, I think, important. And that's the lasting impact of our program. I mean, if these girls can learn self-confidence at, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, um, how much easier is their life going to be when they're 18, 19, 20, or they're in their 30s or 40s or, you know, it, older set, than that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's setting that, that foundation for them. So that they they know you sort of they know who they are and they know that they Absolutely. they have the confidence to to be who they are before they get to that stage where everything about them is challenged and you know through puberty. Yes. So it make it makes it makes a lot a lot of sense. And let's not forget that you're also training for you know the 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 five k which comes at the at the end which which is also helps them sort of learn how to incrementally prepare for sort of for a large task. Uh, Absolutely. And that's, that's the other thing, the other thing they work towards that, that 5k at the end, um, we like to call it an event rather than, or a celebration because it is a non-competitive event. Um, we certainly have some girls who finish it in easily 22 minutes. In fact, we just had our 5k um, November 7th or 19th. And I'm always impressed when these girls come across the finish line at 22 minutes. And I'm, I'm trying to think, when was the last time I did a 5K in 22 minutes? Never. But <laughs> I have finished several. And that's really what we try to, to get the girls to understand is, first of all, this is a goal that you set at the beginning of the season. And you're going to accomplish that goal. Yeah, you're going to do 20, it. Right. It might be 22 minutes. It might be an hour. But everyone who crosses that starting line crosses the finish line and they don't do it alone. Um, all of the girls um, have a running buddy and um, typically the running buddy might be a family member, it might be a family friend, it might be a sibling. Um, for girls who may not have that in their support system, we often have community volunteers who want to give their time and, and just enjoy randomly doing a 5K on a Saturday. And the purpose of that running buddy is to stay with the girl, encourage her. Um, 
and to push her, not in a way like push her, go faster, but like, hey, you've got this, you can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, we've only got, you know, a mile to go, but we're almost there. Um, so it's a great sense of accomplishment because nothing, even if the girls never do another 5K, they're always going to have that medal. They're always going to be able to say, I did a 5K. And as you point out, it's a great way to teach goal setting, right? right. They, they, they work towards it. And every week they, they write down their laps and they set goals for themselves. I'm going to run five laps. I'm going to run 10 laps. Mm-hmm. And they can see themselves improving, but they can also see that, hey, when you have a setback, that doesn't mean that it, it's game over. It just means, okay, you know, this week is going to run 10 laps. And I only ran seven. And, well, you know, maybe it wasn't a great day. Maybe the weather was bad. Maybe their head just wasn't into it. But then they learn how to rebound from that. And right. they, like, okay it's a fresh start and I'm going to do better this time. Yeah. It's, you, they don't, they learn how to not let that minor setback derail them from the larger goal. Absolutely. And, and that's, and I, and I've, and I've seen that firsthand, you know, cause I know exactly what you're talking about with the, with the setting the, the lap goals. Cause, cause my daughter and I have talked about that, uh, you know, when she was in the program um, and, and it's, it's, it's really inspiring to watch, to watch her as a, as a young lady sort of, figure this, all of this out and, and, and develop that confidence. And I can tell you, you know, she is very, you know, a confident, sometimes overconfident 11 year old, <laughs> but and we've done our job. Well, <laughs> you've done your job. well. Uh, but so t- tell me how did girls on the run start in the Berks County area? So actually um, our founding executive director uh, is uh, Kim, Kim Rivera um, and in fact, um, it's funny, I believe now she's Kim Ryan, but she actually lives just now a block away from me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she started the organization back in 2013. And um, I know a little bit about Kim personally. She, she is an individual who very much is about um, girl power, women empowerment. She has a daughter of her own, who I know is very active in the early years of Girls in the Run. And she's the one who really got the ball rolling in 2013 and, and did this as an executive director um, as really a volunteer until two or three years into our, you know, getting the, getting everything started. I believe the first season in 2013, um, I believe we had 75 girls. Um, contrast that to just this past fall where we had um, over 200, almost 240 girls. Wow. Um, and that's post pandemic. So it's interesting because certainly over pandemic, um, girls in the run had to really come to a hard stop and figure out what do we do. And even though I wasn't part of the organization then, you have to think about this. We have like 190 something councils across the United States. Okay. And so nationals in this position where they can't necessarily say it's A or B because every place in the country was different in how they handled the pandemic. And so their direction to councils was like, we're gonna basically officially cancel the spring 2020 season. Yet they gave councils the resources to like, if you can find a way to keep going, we will help you in any way we can. And I know here in Berks, um, although the season was officially canceled, we actually had one team, I believe it was Perry Elementary out of Hamburg who stayed on board and completed the season virtually. Um, in fact, that group of volunteers became uh, one of the remarkable volunteer team recipients in 2020. Um, 
that leads us into fall of 2020. And I believe that's the season where your daughter participated. And you now by yes. that time, national had sort of figured out officially how to, to handle this. And they, but again, you know, gave us resources and, and, you know, if you can have an in-person team, if you're allowed to do that, then we support that. If you cannot, we also support virtual options. What we opted to do here in Berks, um, because every school system was different. Some were virtual, some were in-person, some were hybrid is however we can deliver it, we're here for you. Right. So we did have an in-person team in fall of 2020. Um, I believe we had a community team, which is something we have always been able to do, but really leaned hard into during the pandemic. And then we had a virtual team. Um, the virtual team was kind of amazing. I was a substitute coach on a few of their practices and it was really inspiring to see how these girls adapted. Mm-hmm. They're on this virtual team practice and we're trying to do exercises. So, you know, we're, we're backing up from the cameras and <laughs> doing push-ups and stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself, don't like fall on your push-up. That would be really embarrassing. <laughs> um, you know, I got to be an example for these young ladies, uh, but they were all in on it. And, and even in the comment section, they're, they're putting in little notes to each other, like, you've got this and I'm behind you and we support you. And it was really heartwarming to see that. Um, for our school teams, uh, again, Perry Elementary participated in person, and they, I went to their, their site, 5K, and they did such a great job, and I, I think they had to run, like, I don't know, 10 laps or something around the parking lot, but the girls were as active in it as they were at our normal 5K, and then the community teams were something that we really leaned into. Um, a lot of our teams are around schools, and so that generally means that only girls who go to that school can be on that team. Right. With our community teams, that enabled girls who were maybe at schools that didn't allow after-school activities at that point in time, or maybe weren't having girls on teams, they could still participate in the program. So for instance, we had in spring of 2021, we had a team at the Y Missing Playground. We had girls on that team who were from Y Missing School District, Wilson, Reading, Fleetwood. Basically, if you could get there, you could you, you can be on the team. And it was really amazing because again, now you have this group of girls, most of whom did not know each other from school. And now they've yeah. just made this whole new group of friends. And I mean, how likely is that to happen outside of maybe organized sports? Yeah. And my daughter was on that team. Uh, yep. and, and she, she really, she really enjoyed it because we, cause she was very disappointed because there wasn't a school-based team that season. And so uh, I know, I knew that a, a, a the mom of a friend of hers, you know, pushed to have, you know, to have a team and, and, and it, and it was great. Uh, she, she really, she really enjoyed it. You know, I, you know, it just, it's, it's, it's just great to see, to see the girls so active and, and, you know, learning all of these, these great, these great life, life skills. Now, how did you become involved with the organization? Well, so I, I, got involved in June of 2020. So I actually, I, I like to say that I was the front of the spear of the great resignation, reshuffle, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever they're calling it now. Um, I had previously worked actually um, with the uh, G- Greater Reading Chamber Alliance. And uh, we, you know, went virtual during the pandemic. And um, just I had previously earlier in my career been involved in a very corporate style job. 
and enjoyed it for pretty much most of my 20 years, but at some point realized that I wanted to do something different. And in making that change, um, kind of had to figure out what did I want to do when I grew up? Um, that's a question you never stop asking yourself. No, it isn't. It's, and realized that I wanted to work for stakeholders instead of stockholders. And so that led me to a couple of different organizations um, that eventually got me to Girls in the Run. And I heard about it actually through a community member and thought, well, this sounds kind of interesting. Actually, a few years prior, when they had advertised for an executive director, I had applied um, unsuccessfully at that time. Um, and so this one, I thought, well, maybe this is, maybe this is the right time. I mean, sometimes it's just not the right, it's not that it's the wrong opportunity. It's just not the right moment. Right. Apparently spring of 2020 with everything that was going on, that was the right moment for me. To <laughs> <on the> <laughs> um, yeah. So I was really excited to be involved with the organization and, you know, as an individual, um, I've always been involved, quite honestly, in, in very male-centric industries. I mean, my corporate experiences in manufacturing. So it was a complete switch to be in an environment that is very female-centric, very woman-centric. Um, but I've always um, had to make sure that my voice got heard, that people respected my work. And so I've worked hard at that as, as an adult. So to bring those lessons to girls in the run and be able to pass it along within the framework of our program to a whole nother generation. It's just, it's just a great way. I mean, yes, it's my job, but how privileged I feel to work for an organization that just also means so much to me personally, but has such a benefit for the next generation of young women. And that's, that's the right mix because you, you know, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And it sounds like that's what you've achieved. Yeah. And it's, it's been a long time coming now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Every yeah. experience is different. And, and again, this is um, for people who've not really ever been involved in nonprofit work. Uh, the, there, it, it is work, you know, it's it not, work. it's not all, Hey, this is awesome. And we're doing great stuff. It is work like any other job. But again, when you can marry that with the idea that, you know, at the end of the day, everything you've done, has benefited somebody in some way, shape or form, even if it's a small one, then, you know, you, you can log off at the end of the day and feel pretty good about it. Well, nonprofits are businesses just like for-profits are. Yes. Ex except the, the, the profit that you, that you generate is not, is not measured in money. It's measured in impact. And, yes. and, and that's the, that's the important thing. Uh, I, I, I actually did start my career in nonprofits before I became a lawyer. So I'm, I'm familiar with, with how that, you know, the, the different, the different mindset, but it is not, it, you know, it's not all fun and games because at the end of the day, you're still running a business that right. doesn't rely on you sell necessarily selling services, relies on you selling a, a mission to, right. to donors. Right. Uh, and that can be, that can be certainly more challenging than when mm -hmm. you're selling a physical uh, item, like a widget. Right. Um, or even selling a service, like, you know, as a lawyer, you're selling a very specific service to somebody. Right. Um, right. I mean, the challenge that we have is that I have to sell people on our mission. And I, I, we, we promote that to people across our community. Not all of them have children. Not all of right. them have girl children. 
Um, and so the challenge is, is having people understand that if we uplift even just one part of our community and that's girls, then that has a ripple effect across everyone else. You know, boys, men, the community at large. We create the next generation of women who are more confident, who, are, who become better leaders, um, who become maybe more conscientious leaders and other people can learn from them. So yeah, I think it's a win-win for everybody. Oh, absolutely. Because, you know, you're, you're helping to create more well-rounded citizens uh, or young citizens who, who will become the leaders of, the, of our county and, and of the country. And, yes. and, and it is impor- it's important uh, to, pro- to provide that, that support. Now, well, let's shift gears a little bit. How do you like to spend time when you're not working? Since since work isn't really work. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sunday's work is really work. Um, <laughs> no, um, me personally, well, I I enjoy writing. Um, so one of the things I do, I'm very involved with the Birch Women to Women organization. Okay. Um, I had been aware of it for some time, but really got engaged in it um, when I was working at the, the GRCA. Uh, Rachel Romig was one of my colleagues and actually one of my QB mates um, mm-hmm. at the chamber. And so I, I got to know more about the organization by attending events in my capacity as membership director. And then um, this is what happens when you put stuff out into the universe. I had put out at a luncheon with my colleagues that in 2020, so much was going to happen in 2020. In 2020, I wanted to write more Mm -hmm. um, because it's something I've always enjoyed doing. And uh, Rachel, when we got back to the office said, okay, I'm putting you on the editorial committee. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. You took me seriously. (laughs) So I started writing articles for Birch Women to Women. And then about this time last year, Rachel approached me and said, hey, how would you like to be managing editor? So that's one of my volunteer gigs is I am the volunteer managing editor of Women to Women magazine. Um, in fact, I was just scrambling to get that put together for the designer uh-huh. yesterday. <laughs> but again, another thing I really enjoy doing is exercising my journalistic chops in that respect. Um, but I also enjoy writing just for fun, like essays and poetry and things of that nature. Um, I am a runner, um, so I kind of got into that. Um, I grew up in Atlanta, and, and Atlanta, a big deal on the 4th of July is the Peachtree Road Race, which is actually the largest 10K in the country. Lost a bet with my dad, so he signed me up to run it. And um, a lesson I sometimes tell girls is to train for it, I did a 5K. And I did, I did it at college and I was the last one across the finish line by like 20 minutes, <laughs> but, but you finished. I finished exactly. And so that's been my goal ever since. Anytime I do, do a race, whether it's 10 K 10 miles, um, I go down to Virginia beach, uh, most marches with a group of friends and, and we do the Shamrock half marathon. And I've never been last since then. I've never <laughs> been first, but I've never been last. That, um, but a, it's just it's just fun, and I I enjoy running um, mostly because it's a great way to kind of get out of my head and just like you know ponder if I'm if I'm having a difficult day I can kind of ponder in my head okay what's going on and how can I do things differently sometimes I get creative ideas that way and sometimes it's just a great way to listen to some really you know kick butt music <laughs> yeah and the thing with running is. 
you're really not competing with anyone but yourself. Right. And, and that's what, you know, all of my kids have participated in running activities uh, because we, we did, um, I can't remember the name, name of it, but it's a, it was a running program that was, you know, once a week for like for six weeks. Um, and they start them at like two years old and go, you know, all the way up. And, and I always just said, you know, just as long as if you have fun and you participate and, you know, it doesn't matter if you're first or last, just, right. you know, but yeah, yeah, I can, I'm not personally a runner, but you know, I, I encourage my, my children. <laughs> it, it is a really, I mean, it can be really fun. I mean, certainly it can be work too. And, and yeah. um, back in 2013, I ran the Marine Corps Marathon. It's kind of a goal of mine. And I, my sister and my sister who actually lives in California, we trained for it and then both ran, ran the same race uh, as well as a friend of mine here. And so that was a lot of fun knowing that there were two other people who any given right. week were just as miserable as I was <laughs> training. <laughs> but um, it was such a, a sense of, a, of accomplishment. It was just the day that we did it. It was exciting. You're with all these other people. And yes, somebody probably completed it in two hours, but I completed it in less than six hours, which is my goal. And now I have this great medal. I can say to people, those blue shoes you see in the background, those are the shoes I wore. And I'm always going to have that. And even if I right. never do another marathon again, I'm like, yeah, but I did the Marine Corps marathon. But you've, but you've done, you've done. Yeah. It. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you grew up in Atlanta. How did you get to Berks County? <laughs> um, so I'm actually a military kid. So Atlanta, I consider to be my hometown, but my parents are from Scranton. I was born in Hawaii, spent part of my childhood in Virginia Beach, but we moved to Atlanta when I was a kid. And so that's home. That's where we grew up. That's where I went to college. Um, but I came to Berks County as part of my job. So I worked for a specialty steel company and um, originally as a salesperson, and then had an opportunity to take a role here in the home office. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I moved here in 1998 and then I met my husband and we got married seven years later and, and here we are. Oh, glad to have you making yeah. such positive contributions. Uh, now, I really, pre I really appreciate having you on the show. Uh, here today, what is something that more people should be aware of about what you or what Girls on the Run does? Wow. So I just think the main thing people need to understand, we're not an athletic training program. So because sometimes we do get comments from parents like, oh, I thought they would do more running. Um, and nothing's wrong with that. You know, if that's, if that's what you want and that's what your, your, your child wants, that is fantastic. But interestingly, there was actually just an article in the New York Times, mm -hmm. in fact, I did post this on our social media, about programs like Girls in the Run and the benefits we do have for girls who, who want to get into running as a sport. And again, it goes back to that, that self-esteem and that self-confidence and that decision-making ability that um, whether you're going to become a runner or you're just going to do what you want to do, those all play a role in it. And I can't emphasize enough um, how important it is um, for girls to learn those lessons as early as possible. Because mm 
and certainly everyone can learn those lessons, not to imply that only girls need these lessons. They are just as valuable for, for boys and young men. But I think definitely still in 2022, <laughs> girls have that just extra, I don't know if you want to call it pressure, but just we still hear those messages that say, well, you need to tone it down a bit. You need to be quiet. You need to stay in your lane. Uh -huh. And no, no, no. The, the world is not going to become a better place if we just stay in that box. And, and the, the younger we can teach girls that you can have a voice and you should and absolutely need to use it. You can be in any lane that you choose to be in they're they're going to carry that with them as Absolutely. they get older and and then when they they get into to middle school and high school they're going to they're going to they're going to know how to stand up for themselves stand up for other people and and not to stand up against bullying but like no my idea deserves to be heard they they learn to work with others um and the other thing that people don't necessarily know about our lessons is that sometimes we actually design our lessons to teach girls how to fail that sometimes things don't always turn out the way you thought they were going to turn out. But again, that's okay. You learn how to deal with it and go like, okay, what could I have done differently? And problem solving and you move forward. See, and, and, and that's great. And, and, I, and I love what you said about telling girls that they can, be, they can be in whatever lane they want to because we still try to pigeonhole young ladies into what, into what society thinks is yep. appropriate. But the reality is, is that they can pick their own lane and they can they can pick their own future. Absolutely. Absolutely. And don't let anyone tell them they can't. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being here. I I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, and thank you to our thank you, you, know, you know, to our listeners for tuning in. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, Kirsten, what's the best way to do that? So our website is www.goderberks.org. So it's G-O-T-R-B-E-R-K-S dot org. Um, you can also email us at info at org, And myself or our program manager, Tanya Hollis, would be happy to answer any questions you have. Uh, whether you're interested in um, enrolling a girl in our program, um, actually, we will be probably opening registration for our, our spring program, I believe will open in February, end of January. Um, but also we're always, you know, again, we are a nonprofit. Um, we always could use the help of volunteers. So if you have any interest in volunteering, whether that's being a volunteer coach, um, volunteering as a 5K, or even joining our board of directors, um, any interest you have, we're happy to hear of it. Um, but I would be remiss if I also did not say that this is the season of giving. So um, as a nonprofit, we depend on the generosity of our community. So if anyone's interested in making a donation, um, you can, again, go to our website and click on the How to Help page. It'll take you to donate. And we give some ideas for how your donation can help us out. Well, wonderful. Well, thank, thank you again for being here. Uh, Thanks for th having me. And uh, this has been another episode of Not Minding My Own Business. <laughs>